Welcome, everybody. This is Bart Sharp of Becoming Quantum Conscious on United Public Radio and UFO Paranormal Radio on 107.7 and 105.3, broadcasting out of the beautiful city of New Orleans, Louisiana. And also, uh, I am in Austin, Texas, and we are also broadcasting all over the internet. Uh, You can pick us up on the UPRN website, but also on cable television, on Roku, as well as Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Spreaker, and other internet platforms. Just the easiest way, though, is to go to UPRN and just catch our show there. And today we really have a very special show with Justin James. Justin um, is the author of this wonderful book, Time to Speak, and it is the relationship of Yaakov, who is Jesus's brother, also known as James the Just, and Yeshua, as we will call him today instead of Jesus, uh, because that's a more original and origin name of origin there. Uh, so it's a wonderful book. It's a journey of two brothers. And uh, Justin, welcome to the show. Well, good morning, Bart. Thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure to be speaking with you. And you're everywhere. All those places <laughs> that you've named, boy, you're all over. It's pretty well, impressive. Well, uh, it's really wonderful with Joe Maltato and Michelle Devercher, who are the managers of UPRN, that they have linked all of this stuff together. I, you know, I don't know how to get it all done. What I've been told is Joe even has a day job, and yet he has this huge talk radio, metaphysical talk radio show that's, you know, probably one of the biggest in the world. And I, I don't know. I, I guess he's never sleeps or something because it's quite incredible that he's done this. And I feel very blessed to get to talk to very important people, or at least in my opinion, are important people because they have something very special in the world. And I would just have to say, Justin James, you are one of those folks, Um, you know, and just to give a little bit of background before we start with the first question about Jesus, uh, Yeshua and Christmas. What is your relationship with James the Just? And maybe a lot of people don't even know who James the Just is. Thanks for the accolades, Bart. Appreciate that. Uh, James the Just is actually uh, a historical figure. Um, many of the historians and philosophers of the time actually wrote about James the Judge, so mentioned him. Um, after the ascension of Yeshua, Jesus the Christ, as most people know him, uh, the torch was handed over to James, his brother. Aramaic, our names were Yaakov, which the derivation is Jacob, and then James, and then Jesus was Yeshua. And so Yeshua handed the torch to James, and James stayed in Jerusalem uh, for the next 30-some years, providing leadership to the apostles who went out to different areas to preach the the mission, the word, the way. Um, 
and to just help support and anchor that love and light in that very chaotic area. And so uh, James was the second born of Mary, uh, the younger brother of Yeshua. Uh, and they grew up together. Uh, prior to that incarnation, Yeshua had asked James in spirit form to come and help him during his mission. And th there were many that came together at that time to help Yeshua with that mission. He wasn't alone as many people try to um say that he was he was supported yeah yeah the and, stories have grown uh, and developed over the years yes indeed <laughs> and, and and for you you know you've told me this is you're not channeling james the just you have a very different relationship and i i, I just would you just share a little bit how that all is so it's I was James the Just at that time, yes. So for those that believe in reincarnation, um, part of my individuation of Father, Mother, God, the Source was James at that time. And now I'm a different iteration, but we have the same subtle energies. Um, and, you know, this life, I like my anonymity uh, because it's not about me. It's about the message, the mission and the message. Mm -hmm. So that's why we really don't need to know exactly who I am or see who I am. I have a buddy, Tavis, who's my front guy. He helps a lot so I can keep my anonymity. Helps me with uh, publishing and different concepts of teaching. Uh, Indeed. So, yeah. So the, the mission and the, and the message is what is most important. And we are continuing it at this time, 2,000 years later. But we're at a very transitional time. You know, things appear very chaotic. There have been other times throughout Earth's history that things have been very chaotic. But this is galactically, universally, and at Earth time, it's a very transitional time that uh, we are reemphasizing the original message um, here at this time. It's a big job. Uh, and and I have met uh, Justin James in person. He he and I met in France. Uh, he was actually doing one of my tours. Uh, and I would just like to vouch for when Justin Justin was kind of like he wasn't always with the group. We'd all get together and we would do our circle work at times. And Justin would kind of meander in sometimes. He was kind of in his own course, he had his own autonomy, so to speak. But whenever he joined the circle, the circle, the power of the circle just grew tremendously. And uh, so I, I, it was kind of funny. They were, they were telling me this one lady goes, you better watch that Justin guy. He's, he's really different. And, and then when you joined the circle and I go, he's different in that his energy is completely original or different than anybody I have ever met. Uh, I can say that because I've actually met you and uh, I'll just leave it at that. And so I know your source comes from something very special and you've been walking with that 
for lifetimes and lifetimes. I, I have to just sort of laugh when you talk about the energy and you know, I try to blend in, but yes, I do, <laughs> <laughs> I do carry. I try, I try to be normal. <laughs> yeah, but I repeatedly hear from people, yeah, you're you're different, you're not normal. So, But I try to be, I try to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you look like a regular, ordinary guy and, you know, sweet and friendly and, and somebody that would help you get on the bus or something, um, you know, but at the same time you're walking and you have a totally different, I don't say we're all, we're all into this together, but your, your, your mission is very intense because you really are helping this new age come into order. Uh, and you know, that that's really wonderful. Now I wanted to did, I'd ask you a question because you know, I, I really pride myself on the titles of my show because I, I want to have a title that's intriguing and get people to listen. And being that it's Christmas time, uh, just wanted to ask you, what do you think Yesha was, uh, if he was creating Christmas and making Christmas happen, what do you think his, his concept of Christmas would be? Well, um, so I just want to say that after we've answered that question, um, I do want to piggyback on this concept of energy and how it relates to infusing the earth and the people, okay? Uh, sort of, I'll hold you to it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here. So actually, I'm not going to give you a hypothetical of what Yeshua would make. I'm going to let Leshua speak, if that's okay with you. That's okay with me. Bart, greetings and love and light. This is Yeshua ben Joseph, also known to you as Jesus the Christ. And you're asking, you know, what does Christmas mean to me? Or your specific question a few moments ago was, how would I make Christmas? Let me expand on that a little bit. That, as many people know, I wasn't born on December 25th. I was born in the spring equinox in March. But those that decided to make December 25th my birthday were looking at broader practices of the time. You know, the solstice, the winter solstice is the 21st, the longest night of the year as we start to turn back into daylight. And so we're going from dark to light. And there were many celebrations, there are many celebrations around that concept. And there were many practices that were happening at that time. And so the Christian leadership brought in the concept of celebrating uh, the birthday of the Christ child. And, and what does that mean to me? Am I opposed to it? Am I in agreement of it? The actual date of my birth, except for the energy that was brought in at the time, really doesn't matter. What is, what is important is the concept that we're bringing light to the darkness. You know? And when I was born, that large star that you saw not only marked where I was physically, but it was the energy coalescing 
to anchor in that strong love and light of the universal sacredness into the earth to help with its healing. So we are celebrating that moment in which this large energy of love was sent to earth and anchored there. And then as I walked through my mission and my experience, bringing that energy on a regular basis to the earth and to the plants and the beings around me, the human beings, that was so important. And even on the cross, instead of emanating suffering and pain, I tried my best to emanate love and compassion. Forgive them for they know not what they do, right? So we're bringing in this energy all along about compassion, forgiveness, and love. And so the celebration of that on December 25th is fine with me because I think it's a really important opportunity to think about these concepts, think about what my mission was, what the message was, and to have an opportunity to reinvest in that message for yourselves. You know, as we are kind and compassionate and forgiving to those around us, that helps spread that love and that light. I like to use the example, if you're walking in a grocery store and somebody scowls at you, you're going to probably not feel as good and maybe scowl back and you just reiterate that <laughs> energy. But if somebody smiles at you and you feel good and you smile at the next person and you interact with them in a more loving way and more kind way, then that spreads as well. And so that's what we're advocating, to spreading that kindness, that compassion, forgiveness and love. And I'm honored that we can do that at least on an annual basis to get so many people to be in a loving and giving mood. Indeed. And the word that you used that I really liked is making an imprint of light that we all can do. And all of the things that you did in interacting with people that's what you seem to be impressing. And maybe that's what Christmas is supposed to impress or imprint upon us, is to remember we are of light. Exactly. As the darkness is turning to more light, we're bringing in more light, and that is the focus of all of us. Uh, so I'm gonna let James, come back and talk, because he wants to talk more about that spreading of that light and that energy. Yes. I thank you, Bart. Greetings and love. It's and my honor. Back to Justin. And <clears throat> yeah. Um, thanks, Joshua. So yeah, so he could say it better than I could, although I'm not familiar with, because we've had this discussion this morning and other times. Uh, so we're talking about energy and imprinting and seeding the earth. Um, so many people get discouraged because they aren't in positions of leadership, making big decisions like, what can I do? You know, I'm just one person, what can I do? 
you're very important. Each person, each individuation is important because as you bring in uh, that love and light, compassionate energy, and you share it, it ripples out. You share it with the earth and she can take it in and use it for healing for herself as well as other beings, all the plant and animal beings that live here. Uh, you share it with those around you. And again, just like that example I gave with the store, uh, as you share that energy around you, it emanates out. And as you mentioned, Bart, you, you feel my energy when I walk into the group. That is the impact that we want to make. We want to share that compassionate, forgiving, loving energy with everything around us to help raise the vibration of not only yourself, but those around us so we can continue to spread that out. Thank you. And, and it really brought up another question because some of my teachers have always said, we are all infinite. We all have this infinite being with us. Yet some people, you do not feel the infinite potential so much. So that it's there. So what prevents those people from having that infinite light just glowing out of them. Mm. Yeah, um, sort of the crux of everything, isn't that question? <laughs> yeah, I like to ask good questions. Right, so <laughs> we think of this realm in a dual manner, light and dark, but it's really non-dual. Even the darkest of dark comes from source and there's light there, even if it's infinitesimal and we can't see it with our eyes. There's always light there. Mm. Why are we seeing, why are we not seeing the light? It's not that we're seeing dark, it's why are we not seeing the light? Because it has contracted. So the individuation that is not allowing light in has contracted and they contract their light down quite a bit sometimes. And so the object, object, um, yeah, object is to... Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert, Dr. Heath Havey. Season one relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's TheMysteriousJapan.com. Decrease the contraction. Decrease the contraction. Allow the light in. If you don't allow the light in, then it won't be able to come in. And there are many factors that contribute to that contraction. We'll often designate sort of different basically comes down to two major emotions for humans, fear and love. Fear is all those heavy emotions. If you think about 
shame and guilt and anger, there's some component of fear associated with it. And so when we have fear of any kind and we contract, we don't allow that light in, you see less of it. Less of it is able to emanate because less is coming in. So contracting and blocks, you know, people karmically and presently uh, can develop blocks for many different reasons. This is, that's the, this is the emotional body. Emotional yes. body is so integral to the physical and spiritual body here in this realm. That's why people are here as humans to work with this emotional body. So when you talk about the emotional body, just to clarify, it would be an energy field just right outside of our skin that would be all over all over our body. Is that correct? It's and it integrates with the physical body. It's not really yes. separate. But it's the yes. component of energy that feels the emotions, the human emotions. Mm. And you know, there's a whole spectrum of reactivity. Some people just don't want to feel emotion at all because it's difficult. And so you block it off. But that creates blocks, as I just said, you block it off, you create blocks. And others are struggling with those heavy emotions, again, creating blocks. So the goal is to experience them and learn to work through them, to transmute them, first to compassion and then forgiveness and then love. And we say first compassion because if you can look at somebody where they're at struggling and have compassion for them because at some time you've been in a similar situation may not have been this lifetime could have been another lifetime but you've experienced we've all experienced those human emotions Indeed. one time or another so if you can have compassion for the individual that they're struggling at that time it doesn't make what they're doing right but you have compassion for their struggle and in that way you can have Forgiveness, not in the, again, not advocating for what they're doing, but at recognizing with compassion the struggle and the place that they're stuck. How wonderfully put. Because I always think about when when you look at it that way and you look at another person, if you look at it with a curiosity and compassion for them, suddenly you're you're almost like a part of the solution because you expand your energy with their energy and you emerge to something greater as opposed to going into a judgment or emotion to block all of that off. And it really is proof that we're all connected with these, with these uh, situations, which I think was a very important lesson for Yeshua is when he would confront things and, you, you recommended a book for me to read, uh, Barbara Brodsky's 47 Stories of Jesus that you've probably never heard. Great book. Barbara Brodsky is her name. But Yeshua would, would basically, sometimes he would confront people. Sometimes he would be passive. They would steal his clothes or his food or, you know, the group's food. And you say, it's okay. More will come. No worries. Or if they were tormenting an animal, he might be right between them and just be there and say you don't have to do this or there's a better way than to torturing this animal but there was always compassion and an opening 
for these people that were the perpetrators. He never made anybody bad or wrong. He was actually very curious about their pain and uh, loved them for their pain, it seemed to be. Yes, yeah, I'm glad you brought that book up. It's it's very helpful to read through that book and see the different scenarios, read and hear the different scenarios and how they can apply to now uh, with difficult individuals. And um, one of the one of the scenarios is, you know, there was a thief amongst the group and he just talked with them after a couple of days. He let them continue with the group. The rest of the group was sort of like, why are you letting this thief continue? You know, he stole our silver candlesticks and sold them off and he did this and he did that. And finally, the person came to him and said, why are you letting me continue with the group? And he said, basically, to show you a different way. And he said, well, this is, because this is all I've known, you know, this individual saying, this is all I've known. I grew up in the community of thieves and then I was labeled a thief. And so this is what I should be. And Yeshua gave him a, another option. No, you don't have to be the thief. You don't have to continue to live the life you have lived and basically showing him a different way. And that allowed this this person to change his choices. And there was such a level of caring for that individual that was conveyed in that story as well. Almost like I've never been loved by somebody like that before. And then through that inspiration, the person made a different choice. Exactly. It wasn't condemning. It was a conversation and a discussion about what has been and what could be, and you have a choice in a very loving and compassionate way, yes. So yes. it makes all the difference. Because if I come at you aggressively and condemning, what are you gonna do? You're gonna contract, right? And if okay. I but I come with you in a loving and compassionate way, you're gonna be more open to listen. And you may not make different choices right away, but down the road, possibly. And that's and, and, the whole point, you know, choice exactly. by choice. And, and, and knowing you, you never say that, well, I'm James the Just. We just said that for the radio. I said, and, and this is true, but in your experience or my experience with you is, you know, that title was never presented to me or the group. I kind of had to pry it out of you, so to speak, because light doesn't need a title. It doesn't need a position or an authority or a role. It just is being, and it responds and reacts to its surroundings from the light. And it doesn't react from judgment or anger or other limiting emotions. It just sees the situation. And so when you're around somebody like that, that possibility for change happens. And, and wouldn't you say that that was part of Yeshua's mission? It was just to bring his presence around as many people as possible, because in some ways it's a person-to-person -person encounter. It's not so much that you can learn all of this through a book or something. Absolutely. The mission was to not only bring a message, which you can speak about, 
there weren't much, you know, people couldn't read and write very much back then, so they didn't have that. And they didn't have this fantastic internet that you are a part of now <laughs> to reach thousands of people at once. Uh, but by being a role model, by bringing in that love and light energy and expanding that around him and interacting with people in a way that they could understand the love and compassion rather than just hearing about it. That was so important to be that role model and messenger. Yes, indeed. Uh, it, 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 it comes down to vibration. And for those of you who are listening on to the show, I suggest that you just tune into your own body and feel where places that it feels resistant or heavy or dense. And maybe there's thoughts connected to that going, oh, this guy is not the real deal, for example. It's, it's kind of a judgment. And maybe be curious with that. But also request your body or request yourself to listen deeper. Maybe ask the question, well, what is the light here that's being presented on this show through this Justin guy? Um, and um, see what see what happens because it does open up in that way. It, you know, the internet is no boundary for these messages to come across to you and open you. Uh, so we just put that invitation out there. Um, you know, and I love this book. This I'm going to show it once again. You can, oh gosh, I'm doing, I have problems. You can see uh, Yaakov and Yeshua there. Uh, you know, I never think of Israel being, having lots of trees and beauty, but a friend of mine, uh, Schieffer Bloom, who did, was on the show a few weeks ago, was just telling me how beautiful um, Israel is. I always think of it as deserts. But this book has so much, so much wisdom and so much stories with it. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that one of the real simple things that you were bringing up in this book um, was, yes, yeah, sure, what we call it the truth, you know, and he was bringing the truth. Um, and I just wondered if you could share a little bit about what that expression means. The truth. Um, There's just a, a simple message and very straightforward about compassion, forgiveness, and love. Um, and that extended to equality of men and women mm. um, and respect for our environment. But it wasn't, so the true thing, like I said, that simple message, not complicated by dogma, not complicated by a lot of rules and regulations, because if you really think about it, if you're sincerely practicing compassion and forgiveness, do you need somebody to tell you what to do and what not to do? <laughs> 
So it, the, the truth in that respect is just the, the simple message. The, they also called it the way, the truth, the way, the message of compassion, forgiveness, and love. Wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put on the ticker here. There we go. Uh, and it's simple. And, and, you know, the more I read about history of that time, not only in Israel, but in Greece and Rome and, and various other places, there was such an inequality of between men and women. They lived almost separate lives and women were functional for men. They provided children. They, they cooked the foods and everything was so well defined. Uh, and it could be very stifling. Uh, if you broke out of that mold. And yet Jesus was saying, no, women are gifted. Uh, and he openly loved Mary Magdalene and thought of her as an equal, which in today's time that would say, oh yeah, well, men and women are equal. But in that time, this was uh, very extraordinary. Absolutely and caused a lot of controversy and disruption amongst the disciples um, and apostles. It, it, part of uh, you know, the mission, we're going back to that role modeling, is it's one thing to speak about these concepts, but it's another to live them. And so when Yeshua's living in the day-to-day -day world of the Jewish and Gentile population at that time, uh, just amongst the people traveling from town to town and traveling, I mean, all the way to Tibet and up to Glastonbury and eventually Scotland, uh, amongst the people, you know, it, it, it wasn't a philosophical message. It was a physical, emotional, present message of, of how to interact and how to live and extended that to uh, not only you know, the, the women and, and men around him, but the uh, hierarchies within communities. You know, mm -hmm. We have those that are you know, like the lepers and the thieves and those that weren't well thought of, and those that are in, in leadership, you know, addressing each as his own in an in, in equal manner. Almost, and we've, we've talked about this, but I just want to reconfirm it. It's almost as if Yeshua was being present with, and, and I'm talking about physically present with them. So in that impression, imprinting of light, they had a opportunity to change their whole karma for lifetimes to come. Almost like it was creating a uh, chain reaction. Am I getting that correctly? Yes, that's you know part of the reason that uh, Yeshua came at the time that he did. The, the Earth energy was sort of spiraling more into darkness, and you know eye for an eye type of mentality and vengeful and violence. Uh, and he and there wasn't a lot of compassion or forgiveness being taught. Uh, so. He came in and anchoring, they talked about anchoring that light and that love to share it, to stop that spiraling down. I mean, we still went through things like the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages, but 
that energy has persisted. And as the population has expanded, we have a, a larger percentage of people that are able to accept and utilize and expand with the light and love because those concepts were delivered 2,000 years ago. Does that make some sense? Yes, it does. In, in what would be your point of view with that that was also planting a seed for this new age that is happening right now, the age of Aquarius coming up because he was going into the age, uh, oh gosh, Pi of Pisces, I think. You know, it was, it was, a, it was the Iron Age. And it was the age of the masculine law. Mm -hmm. And it sure sounds very different from what the concepts of what Yeshua was, was teaching. Yet, it was almost like he was planting a lot of seeds for a great change to happen, not only immediately, but hundreds and hundreds of years in the future. Yes, uh, you know, we knew that this change wasn't going to come overnight. We, we understood that. And so, yes, planting those seeds and allowing that energy to percolate and those that were capable to bring that message of truth and uh, the way forward. Uh, many times, you know, Gnostics, Essenes, some of that are still... Uh, so underground, uh, those those folks were able to keep that those concepts flowing forward to a time where we could have more accessibility to them. Yes, and may, maybe also for the people to evolve with them over the years, because uh, <laughs> a lot of people. The, the, the idea of that light is a very hard concept to grasp. And it may take spirits and souls hundreds of years to really get it, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, how do people get it? Well, sometimes they have to experience those what we call negative activities. Uh, they have to walk through the fear that they have. Uh, you know, a lot of, many people don't like change because even if they're not happy where they're at, they know what it is and they can yeah. make their way through it. Uh, so that's an evolving process. And we, and we knew that it would have to evolve and people might have to experience those things that make them really uncomfortable in a negative way in order to choose a more positive way. Indeed, such such it's been a process, as they say. <laughs> it is still a process. Yes, <laughs> to me that gives me hope, uh, and and such, um, and and also in about two weeks we're going to have um, Karina Chrysler come on the show and give astrological predictions of twenty twenty four and. Uh, really look into that future of how all of this working. She's one of the most brilliant astrologers. And um, I think I always really feel like they probably knew about this stuff at that time. Now, one of the things in your book 
that I really love. And this is the book Time to Speaks. And you can buy this on um, various bookstores, um, you know, and have it sent right to your home. That's what I did when I first met James. He says, check this book out. And, you know, because he was talking about joining my tour and I'm going, okay, I'll check this book out. He didn't tell me that he wrote it, you know, just kind of said, yeah, check this book out. And, you know, I'm always curious. So I bought it and I was liking it. And then I really never really got it for a while that it was his book. Um, so that's all kind of funny, the trickster in him. Um, but one of the things in the book, it was an insane concept about the healing from the source of a child's divine energy that the children can learn how to be great healers, you know, and not really know exactly what they were doing as healers, but they healed anyway. And wonder if there's any advice or suggestions how we could learn from that being us adults. So let me just correct that a little bit, Bart, Thank in you. that the, the healing was available, is available to everyone. But as adults, we have certain preconceptions and limitations, right? And so the Essenes taught the children how to heal as just part of their everyday learning experience. So they grew up knowing that these were possibilities and to not have the limitations of, oh, we can't do that, it's not possible. And so, you know, the innocence of children, the lack of, um, how can we put this contraction that, oh, I can't do that, because they don't know better. So, you know, if they're taught you can do this, then they just think, I can do this. And so they were taught, yeah, from a very young age, um, how to heal themselves if they fell and scraped their knee. You know, they'd come to an adult and the adult would have walked them through how to use their energy for healing. And there was more active um, teaching that they would, you know, use a thorn to actively, purposely prick a finger and teach them how to heal that. So it, it was a spectrum of learning from early age up through adulthood. Uh, and, you know, some people like every other skill are better at it than others. And so you would go to, you know, the healer, but they would work with you. And it wasn't just being acted upon. You, know, you mm. were being passively healed by the healer. It was, an, it was a joint effort with whatever skill and energy you had and the skill and energy of the healer. So it is quite beautiful, really. And uh, Tavis teaches these concepts to many groups. And he's actually very fortunate that the medical school he works with, they're allowing him to work with some of the residents to teach these concepts also. Wow, that's wonderful. Uh, it, it's, it, it's just that, once again, that innate infinite ability and that light of Yeshua talking about coming out because it, it can change so much in our lives. It's oh, always it's, there. It's always there. You just have to allow it and learn how to utilize it. Uh, so yeah, great 
you know, a lot of these miraculous cures that you hear about from people, um, it's because they opened up and they resolved their blocks, their emotional barriers and, and concepts of limitations and concepts of uh, self-degradation, whatever was blocking them. They were able to work through those and let those go and let that um, beautiful high energy come in and help them heal. Indeed, and it has so many different paths in this world to, to show up, whether that be physical healing, but also emotional healing. Uh, uh, it's, so so it's, it's just that applications are endless. Uh, and, and there's so many great things about this book, uh, Time to Speak. And, and one of them, I just love this quote. Jesus changed every cell so it could be a cell of light. Yet it held density so he could function as a human. Could, could you interpret that a little bit for us about what that it's what that is or what that's like or maybe how we can learn how to do that? Well, he was able to release any blocks that he had acquired while here. He didn't have any coming in. Uh, but, you know, living in a human body, in a human world, uh, you come up against challenges. And so he was able to meet those challenges and work through them so that he didn't hang on to blocks and allows that light from source, Father, Mother, God, uh, the infinite universe to come in and it just infused his whole body. Um, and the challenge can actually be when all those cells are infusing with that love and light raising the vibration and sometimes the vibration shifts the physical form i like to use the analogy of uh, water at a lower vibration it's ice higher vibration it's water higher yet steam and then gas and then they all change phase dependent upon the vibration of the molecules and so this human body is at a certain vibration and composed of you know, carbon elements, elements from the earth. And, and it's joined by the spiritual energy. And so when you light up all those cells, uh, potentially they can raise to a vibration where they're no longer physical. And that's where we see with his ascension. He was able to raise past that physical limitation of that lower, um, I don't say lower vibration, but vibration that was less than what he achieved afterwards. Mm. So when when he was he was pulling from realities of of the, just the highest realms and and bringing that into his body. Is am I getting that right? I mean, uh, we had somebody on the show, Peter Craig. And he does dowsing into those realms. And, you know, he was saying, well, it's, it's a reality beyond the God reality, but there's just more and more, or there's higher and higher dimensional levels up there and uh, that we have access to. And he always would say Yeshua could access those realms. 
Well, universal energy is what creates life in all forms. And some of those we see with our physical eyes and some of them we don't. Some people can see past the physical 3D realm. Mm-hmm. You know, those that see spirit and ghosts and other things. Um, and those energies in, in those other dimensions, yes, he could harness those and learn to, that was part of his training when he worked with the Druids and the monks in Tibet and, 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 and India, working with all these different masters, allowing him to free up that emotional body and make changes in the physical body. And eventually when he was ready and it was timely to change that 3D physical body to higher vibration. Mm. So if you are in Austin, Texas, like I am, some regular guy, as if, anyway, I laugh at that regular guy, normal guy. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Any advice on how we can develop in that? Practices, tools, etc. Well, I want to bring in another concept here is the, um, of physical body, human body, you know, we make a choice to be here because there's many, many reasons. Some are here simply in service. Others are here to learn things that they wanted to learn. And it's being in the human body is always challenging. Human experience is always challenging. And so many people are of the like to escape the physical body (laughs) 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 and escaping the physical body and going into spirit form. Um, So I I want to caution in that we're we're each here in the human experience for a reason and to embrace that. And even if you don't know specifically what your plan was, embrace the challenge and embrace the experience uh, to optimize it, to, you know, again, work towards that compassion, forgiveness, and love. And as you do that, you're going to be infusing all those cells with that higher energy. You're going to be increasing your vibration. And if you truly chose to step aside from the physical body, for even temporarily, like some people bilocate and do different things, um, you can do that, working with some people that are considered masters or more experienced, you always want to do that with caution because you don't want to hurt yourself. So I want to ask a question with the forgiveness, love. When you give that to other people and you have this type of communion, so to speak, with that other person, does that multiply or make your own selves lighter when you practice and have that communion with another. Absolutely. Every time you raise your vibration, even a little bit is beneficial to your spirit, emotional and physical body. And the more time you spend in that, the the lighter and brighter your vibration. And when you connect with others, it's exponential. What comes out of that is exponential. It's not just additive. So when we talk about being in a group 
one and then you add another one, the energy that is expressed is exponential and not just additive. And so when you get many individuals contributing to that positive vibration, you get an even larger output of that compassion and love and raising that vibration. And you've, you know, you've probably experienced and they've done studies about prayer groups, people coming together to pray for others. And that's a really high energy activity. Uh, and so I know there are individuals that participate in regular group meetings for Gaia or for other individuals that are sick or even in these war situations, it's all beneficial. Indeed. Um, we're coming to the end of the show and I, and, and I, and I've just wanted to see uh, if you could give one final message to everybody, uh, any, any last words of uh, wisdom, but before you do that, I would like to say this is the United Public Radio Network and the UFO Paranormal Radio Network on 107.7 and 105.3. And you can catch us on the internet at the UPRN website, as well as on Roku, Spreaker, YouTube, uh, and um, Facebook. That was the one I was forgetting. And my name is... <clears throat> Bart Sharp, and this is Becoming Quantum Conscious. And next week on December 27th, I will have uh, Fraka Frisky Future, or Fraka Future, uh, coming on this show. And we're going to do a joint show about letting go of 2023. And Fraka was on the show uh, in 23, and uh, we had a rousing time. Always have a rousing time with Frock NYSA, Frock a Frisky Future, because it's going to be frisky, folks, and letting go of 2023 on that night or that day at Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. And uh, so I hope you can make it. And so, um, Justin, what parting words do you have to share with everyone? Well, I just wanted to comment. It sounds like that frisky time is going to be pretty exciting. <laughs> That's a great term, frisky, very energetic. Um, so sort of the bottom line is that every human is capable of raising their vibration. And that was one of the major points of Yeshua coming in physical form is to be in human form, be that individual who is experiencing human challenges to show that it is possible. And people will say, oh, because it was Jesus, it was Yeshua, I can't do that. I'm not capable. Yes, you are. By each choice you make. And if you make a choice that's not optimal, you can always make another choice that is more positive. And so I just really want to impart that, that every one of us, each and every one of us is capable of making choice by choice a difference in our vibration and the world around us. That's a wonderful thought. It seems to be the theme of this show is, as they say, as the Doobie, Doobie brother said, taking it to the streets. And so 
we'll end it at that. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Justin. Thank you, Bart. I really appreciate it. And just a plug for Bart's tours. Uh, it was great. You know, in, through the Mary Magdalene and Seen Cathar area, he did a wonderful job. And if you ever get an opportunity to tour with Bart, I, I would um, encourage you to do, do so. Well, thank you. And I encourage you to check out this book, Time to Speak by Justin James. Uh, and uh, hope to see you in France. That'll probably be the next time I see you, my friend. Yeah, that'll be good. Take care. Okay. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.